This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, y'all. So this interview is Anthony Mays. He's one of the co-hosts of the Cinephobe podcast that gets a lot of uh, uh, airtime on the Levitard show. It's co-hosted by Amin El Hassan and of course, Zach Harper. Uh, and he was fantastic. He was, he was super cool. Um, uh, he also is a producer for the Count the Dings Network. Uh, what did you guys think about this? I know the podcasting world does not have enough people talking about movies uh, and particularly bad movies specifically. So I was really thrilled that we could offer this service to the internet. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a very niche uh, subject matter. Uh, Mayor, what did you think about this interview? I, I liked it. It was, he was a lot of fun. I, I liked his take on a lot of things. I was thinking about bad movies that have been shot in Cartersville, Mosquito Coast many years ago with Harrison Ford and Devil's Knot was with Reese Witherspoon were both shot uh, in and around Cartersville. But okay. uh, it, it right. was great having his take. Uh, and I stumped him a little bit with my question, too. So that was that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you did. I, I know uh, I, I always use the example of Blockbuster uh, when, when you were a, a kid, like you walk into Blockbuster and you spend more time figuring out what movie you want to watch. And now it's, it's, it's scrolling on Netflix. I guess we do the same thing. You spend more time looking for a movie than you do actually watching the thing. Uh, so when I get asked movie questions, my mind goes completely and utterly blank. So I felt for him during this interview quite a bit. Uh, Kiz, what did you think? Yeah. So one of the biggest things is actually a little like peek behind the curtain is uh, I did not realize what his handle was until we actually got him on. And uh, that was part of my question, really. I think you guys were hinting at it beforehand that I'm probably an idiot for not realizing it. <laughs> um, and I am. And maybe some of the listeners are too. And hopefully you're no longer idiots. <laughs> yeah, if, if anything, if you come away from this interview uh, no longer being an idiot, that, that would be quite the accomplishment for this podcast to achieve, honestly. That's, that's a tall order for uh, a lot of us and probably a lot of our listeners. So uh, and what, what did you think about this? So I thought he was great, um, taking a different turn. I was sort of sad when he talked about he doesn't get to watch a lot of good movies. He feels like he's so tied into watching <laughs> these, better one, these, these worse ones that he couldn't really... He, he can't really spend the time watching a lot of good movies. I was sort of like, he felt like heartbroken that he was like, yeah, I'm stuck in his thing, but he loves what he does. But he's also like, it's a two edged sword for him where, you know, he loves it, but he's also like, man, I want to watch some good stuff. every so <laughs> Exactly. We want to talk about good movies with people who also watch these good movies. You know? He's, he's definitely got some, uh, some PTSD from, from producing this podcast. Schweitz, what about you, man? I was just going to say, that being said, he did uh, mention some recommendations on some movies that are good that we should all watch. So I'm happy to have those recommendations. I'm always looking to, uh, you know, watch a good movie. For sure. For sure. Jeanette, uh, how did you how did you think this went? 
Oh man, I feel like I made a new best friend. Like me and Anthony Mays, we're gonna go and like tour the the Chinese theater. We're gonna look at all the stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We're gonna take selfies where the um, the red carpet usually is. Right, right. And yeah, we're just gonna be total best buds here on here on out. Um, I'm a little sad though that his uh, he has a kind of a blind spot for certain action movies of the 80s and 90s and I'm even more heartbroken to know that Bloodsport is not going to be reviewed on Cinefo because even though it has a rating of 40% on Rotten Tomatoes us the audience we gave it a 74 so we love it too damn much for it to make it to the pod but maybe he can exercise a veto power and get it on there he he should absolutely since Zach yeah. and Amin uh went went renegade and uh and and kind of you know went behind his back honestly it was on three separate occasions so he three, needs to pull yep. that veto actually because they did it he should actually have six he should have six vetoes okay okay three three for each of his co I think that's how like math it. works I'm not I, sure. I, I think it is. From what I hear, uh, the rumors that I've heard about math, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Steve, what do you think, man? How do you think I, it went? I just hope Cinephobe can make it through this between Zach and Amin going behind his back, like you guys mentioned, going on Mystery Crate and not allowing him to rate movies that are above 40%. He, he seems like he might be, uh, I don't know, maybe going out on his own soon. Seriously, uh, like they they're not going to allow him to watch any good movies that he wants to and yet they're going to you know do whatever whatever they want uh and, and have this steadfast rule go ahead mayor i think what we need to do is we need to we need to have anthony back on let's have him pick a movie and i think he gave us a recommendation during that interview and then we could all watch it and then we can get together and we can review it that way he gets a movie he wants but we get a little bit of bump and get to have a little bit of cinephobe style fun i say we all watch vampires kiss and then let him know that we've all watched it and say hey we're ready when you are like anytime you want to record we have all watched it we've got notes and we will uh we will absolutely uh do do an episode with you and and then see how zach and amin feel about it that's an awesome idea book of the month club heck yeah heck yeah all right well uh i hope you enjoyed this interview and uh thanks for listening Welcome to another edition of Lauer After Hours. I am your host at Waffle House on Twitter. And this evening, we're thrilled to be joined by producer for the Count the Dings Network and co-host of Cinephobe with our good friends, Amin El Hassan and Zach Harper, one Mr. Anthony Mays. What's going on, people? Anthony, how, how you doing this evening? Doing just fine. Another lovely California evening. Excellent. Gonna have excellent. A, a nice little Swami's IPA and face this round of questioning. <laughs> well, I, I promise you, it's it's not as uh, not as daunting and and uh, and intimidating as it looks. Um, I know we were we were supposed to record last Sunday, it's true. but we all forgot that it was kind of a big deal in the movie world. The Oscars were last Sunday. How did you, uh, did you enjoy them? What, what did you think about the, the kind of uh, spin on the Oscars that they had this year? I've been watching the Oscars with my family since I was probably 
two or three years old has always been kind of like a big deal. Both my parents really love movies, love award shows. And as with most award shows, I would say the Oscars matter less now than they ever have. Right. And this year was the strange Steven Soderbergh directed (laughs) edition where they tried to change things up basically by just putting people in the crowd awkwardly. That was seemed to be a big thing. No host. Kind of could have used the host. There's the whole fiasco at the end. I mean, I still enjoyed it. And there's still some things that I like to see happen and people that I wanted to see win. But on the whole, it's just very forgettable, honestly. Yeah. I, so I kind of always thought that the MTV Movie Awards kind of always got it right and that they didn't take themselves too seriously. They kind of always tried to do weird stuff and and big you know take big swings and some of it fell flat some of it was very memorable those are like my childhood memories of award shows i never really watched anything too serious growing up uh so if the oscars just keep getting weirder i think that uh that might could stay you know could, could, could keep it relevant for for a lot of people a lot more um so I, I got a, a question off the top for you. I know everybody, there's kind of like the trope of the guy going, uh, you know, uh, somebody saying, I haven't seen that movie before. And somebody saying, oh my, you haven't seen that movie before. Like, w- what do you mean you haven't seen that movie, right? There's that annoying guy because there's only a finite amount of time in the world to see every movie. Uh, what is a movie you get excited when somebody says they haven't seen it because you're thrilled they get to watch it for the first time and experience it. Whew. Number I know one that's would probably a... be The Matrix. Okay. I would say okay. if anybody hasn't seen The Matrix, that's something that will still blow your mind, even if you watched it today. There aren't that many people that haven't, but it does happen every once in a while. My personal favorite movie to watch and rewatch over and over again is The Big Lebowski. So if somebody hasn't seen that, that would be a good one to introduce them to. But I'm finding that as we do Cinephobe, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who hasn't seen a lot of movies. And the holes in my repertoire are mostly like bad 80s, 90s action movies. Same, same here. Which Zach and Amin are just all about. But I didn't. I didn't have parents who were interested in that growing up. I didn't have an older brother. I had nobody showing me this stuff. There was some stuff that trickled through, but I haven't seen like any of the Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, JCVD movies. Like I haven't even seen them. Me either. I I just watched Point Break for uh, Point Break for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, had never seen it before, so I. That's, that's a great one, man. Oh, that's so my, good. It was it was fantastic. I, I will say, like I, I I you know it was it was fun to experience, and and now I get so many more references, particularly from Lebitard show that Mike Ryan is dropping uh, all the time. But uh, yeah, well, also it, it, there's Hot Fuzz is literally what you described. Like Nick Frost is like you haven't seen Point Break. <laughs> Yes, exactly. When he shoots his gun up in the air, yep, and then he yep. gets to explain it to him. And so I, I like I like those moments where 
somebody has, you learn somebody has an experience, something that you know is going to be in their wheelhouse that you know that they're going to enjoy because capturing that feeling of what experience something or, or watching something for the first time is uh it's a unique experience. So, okay. That that's, those are good answers. Big Lebowski and the matrix are, are fantastic choices for that. All right. We're going to kick off our questioning and up first, I am going to throw it to Lou Rafter. Go ahead, Lou. Hey, Anthony, how's it going? What's up, man? I'm really excited. Uh, I do have to start this off by telling you that I was legitimately offended that you skipped us for the Oscars last week. You were week. offended? <laughs> I was. I didn't, I didn't know, you know you could get offended, get a, Lou. Offended. <laughs> All right. So um, for our listeners out there, if you don't know what Cinephobe is, it's amazing um, where they review movies. It's my second favorite podcast behind the uh, Dan Levitar Network. So I suggest everyone go out when we're done with this, go listen to it. Uh, I would like to know, can you give us like the backstory of how the three of you got together and like the story of Cinephobe? And also I feel like there's the real story of how Cinephobe got together and then what Amin says the Cinephobe story <laughs> got together is. Yeah, which movie was it that Amin actually gestated the idea for wanting to do a podcast about it? I mean, I've been with Count the Dings since 2017 now was a listener to them when they were on true hoop then they went independent and that's when i kind of got more involved at first i was just like hopping on the friday mailbags uh doing some trivia questions and i met them all when they came and we did a live show in oakland in 2017 and then yeah just kind of like grew within the network then uh, I was doing my own podcast for the Patreon called the TV Book Club, where I just like talk about TV shows that were on or whatever. We do a little deep dive on stuff. And I started wanting to produce that myself. So I started producing that. And then a couple months into that, they were like, Zach and Amin have wanted to do this thing for a while, but we've never been able to get it off the ground. Like, would you be interested in producing Cinephobe? So that's when I came aboard. And at first, I mean, if you go back and listen in the archive to the first, like, probably seven episodes, I was not talking nearly as much. I was watching the movies or I would try to watch the movies, but I wouldn't be taking that many notes. It was really a learning experience, you know, totally new. And it evolved, I would say, probably by episode seven, which is Swordfish, was when it really started to hit the ground running. I started doing a lot more clips from the movie, and then, you know, the inside jokes started developing and stuff like that. So it was it was Zach and Amin's baby for a long time. I guess for many, many years, they've been talking to each other and sending texts of, like, terrible movies that they would watch on cable and stuff like that then there's you know allegedly envy was the genesis allegedly ballistic x versus sever was the genesis depending on which time you talk to Amin. but i still don't necessarily understand what the point of the show is that is heavily <laughs> disputed you'll notice from my first couple picks your picks first movie been i picked oh excuse me sir <laughs> Isn't that the point? That's what that's what I, I'm trying to tell you here. It's not clear. First pick I made, Jupiter Ascending. A horrible movie that I've seen. I saw it in theaters. I knew it was going to be bad. I was curious how spectacularly bad it would be. It's spectacularly bad. It's overindulgent. 
It's over budget. Eddie Redman gives one of the worst performances ever, ever on the history of film, right, right around the same time he got an Academy Award, showing how much of a fraud the Oscars really are. So I throw that movie out there. They hated it. They were miserable. They didn't even want to talk about it. So then I'm like, all right. So now I'm going to find a movie that I think is super underrated, that I think doesn't deserve the ratings that it gets. So I chose Hot Rod, which is a movie that I love. Movie that came out when I was in college. Seen it a bunch of times. Love that movie. Hilarious. Everybody in it is hilarious. They hated that one too. (laughs) They often point to it as the worst movie we've done. Which is just not true at this point. We've done so many worse movies. So after those two, I'm like, these dudes are just going to hate whatever I choose. So I'm going to choose whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to choose legendarily (laughs) bad stuff. I'm going to do stuff that I think will be entertaining. I'm going to do stuff that's impossible to find, like Ballistic and like Kiss of Death, which I don't know if anybody can get their hands on. (laughs) Cats, yes, exactly. Cats was a a bomb. We knew we had to do Cats. We were going to do it when it came out in theaters, but then we hadn't. It showed up on HBO. I'm like, it's time. We're doing this. Misogyny. Misogyny. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I think that I no, that's what that's what I that's what I enjoy so much about cinema when you listen to it so much is that you get all the inside jokes and it like it's becoming like a part of my daily life now. When someone says "Wow," it's just "Wow." I can't, you know, I can't. It does not. It gets stuck in my head, and I think that's the genius and the creativity that I really enjoy <laughs> that you guys have put out. Like I'm always looking towards Wednesday because I know Levitard isn't on and so like wednesdays is my cinephobe day to you know just get caught back up and just listen to your you know your guys's next episode but man thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it yeah of course man hey if you walk around quoting a podcast that means there's a stickiness to it that's a a very good sign of a well-produced podcast uh anthony have you ever seen the movie stone cold starring brian bosworth no but i've heard of it okay uh, if you want a terrible, now this is just a terrible movie all around. Like it's, it's my dad worked on this movie. My dad Wait, was in the film. There's business. a movie with Brian Bosworth in it. That's not good. What are you talking about? I know it's, it's incredibly hard to believe. I know. I know. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he, he produced, Johnny be good. He, uh, he produced this movie after he got injured he took the money that he got from his insurance policy and produced this film. And my dad worked on it and is in it. Uh, it's about a biker gang, uh, and and he has to go undercover. It's fantastically bad, but as it's it's my one 80s, 90s, as obscure as it is, it's the one movie from that whole genre that I am extremely well versed in because I grew up watching it because my dad was in it. Um, I highly recommend watching that if you get a chance. I think the entire thing is on YouTube. Uh, you, you can watch it from start to finish. Um, How did your dad play? So he was he was just uh, he gets killed in the movie. Uh, he he was killed. He was a key grip and dolly grip in the film business. So he looked very much like me, had a uh, had a, a beard and a bald head, but he had this like little ponytail in the back. And he looks like a biker, right? It's movie all about this biker gang that sells drugs and does crimes and stuff. However, they had him play like an Italian, like a mafia guy at this like drug deal. 
and he is riding in this 18 wheeler and Brian Bosworth pulls up and takes like a sawed off shotgun and fires uh, at the, the connection of the trailer to the, the tractor trailer. And it like veers off and it crashes into a gas station and explodes. And my dad flips off Brian's Bo- Brian Bosworth at one point. And then his only line is the trailer's loose and that's it. And then it, it, it uh, crashes into a gas station and he dies. So, uh, Anyway, highly recommend. Not that you need a a recommendation for bad movies. There's a plethora of them. It 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 came out in 1991, two years before Jurassic Park. Oh, two whole years. <laughs> yes. It's uh yeah it, it it's fantastically bad. All right, I'm gonna throw it up next to Kish. Kish, go ahead. Hey Anthony, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, so before this little interview we're doing uh, i did a little research and, and kind of stumbled across this like pleasant surprise that you're actually a really talented photographer oh, um, thanks, so man. appreciate yeah, that yeah no problem thank you for for uh, photographing uh but i implore the listeners to check out his uh his instagram which is uh corn puzzle and uh, ch- uh check out the link in the bio as well um so maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised but with that said um was being a photographer like your first or primary profession and you kind of just stumble into podcasting or is this that that kind of just like a side gig or something like that or uh, it was just a passion for a long time i mean pretty much end of high school all through college after college i was really into photography i never did anything for it career-wise i did some like weddings here and there and some events and stuff and i just wasn't really suited to it i don't think but it's always been uh an outlet something i wanted to do in 2015 i quit my job which was property management which is it's a little different and then drove across the country for eight months goal is to just like take pictures write you know explore and that was a really dope experience and then came back from that uh and haven't really been able to shoot that much lately. It's it's one of those weird things where I've done it so much that I know exactly what I want to do. And so I'm not really in the phase where I want to be that guy who's carrying his camera around all the time, which I definitely was for a long time. I, I like to shoot studio stuff. So I've been like trying to work towards having my own photo studio. But that's something that I feel like I can always come back to later in life. And photo editing and organizing and cataloging and all that that's really actually what prepared me for audio editing which is different but does utilize a lot of the same skills so that was definitely a cool way that those two things connected but uh that yeah that's just something that i like would love to get back to in the long term that sounds like it's a great hobby to kind of have uh, there and kind of put your passion to it. Um, but I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but it took me way longer to than I really want to admit uh, to realize what your handle uh, corn puzzles really means and why <laughs> it's that. Could you uh, kind of enlighten us about this? All right. So what's another word for corn? Maze. Oh, and what's another word for a puzzle? Maze. Anthony. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, it's well, it's a corn puzzle labyrinth is actually like the full extension of it because that's another one. But my dad named a cat corn puzzle 
in the <laughs> early 80s. So it's kind of been a family heirloom that he passed down to me was this nickname, just Maze, Maze, Maze. And when it came time to get on Twitter, get on Instagram, it was, it's just something to, some moniker to go by. I don't know. I thought it was clever. But yeah, it is. It is funny when people figure that out. Like if you listen to the Mortal Kombat Annihilation pod, Mike Ryan figures it out. And then Amin is, <laughs> has a little bit of enlightenment himself. I hadn't really <laughs> thought of that before. It definitely sounds like a, uh, a stock router password or something, you know, that comes on the bottom of your router when you set it up for the first time, like Corn Puzzle 317 or something. Uh, yeah, it, it took me a second. Uh, honestly, until I said your name out loud, I did not get it either. So I'm in that same boat for sure. All right. Up next, we're going to throw it out to Jeanette. Go ahead, Jeanette. Wow. That's all I have to say after that. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> so my my serious question would be, um, how do you guys decide uh, the themes for each month? So as uh, it was stated earlier by Will, May is Ben Affleck month, and he actually has a film that scored lower than Geely, but I'm sure you guys know this already as de the detailed researchers that you are. So how do you guys come up with the themes and... Uh, how open to suggestions are you guys from your listeners to these themes? The theme calendar was an idea that came along at some point last year. And then it was throwing out a bunch of actors that we wanted to do that. That list is significantly longer. And we try to alternate that with a different type of themes. So, so far we've done uh, black history month and Academy awards month. We're going to do a superhero month coming up soon. And the genre list is a little bit weirder and a little bit shorter. The actor list gets longer every day. It feels like there's, it's just ridiculous. We're, you know, Kevin Costner, he's got a whole bunch. Jean-Claude Van Damme has a, just an enormous amount of movies to qualify. You know, we still haven't done a single one of Steven Seagal or Amy Schumer's movies and they are on the cover art for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the list is endless. We're going to run out of months. There's only 12 months in the year and we're not sure if we're going to keep it going into next year or what, but it is a shuffling process. We're not locked into a category until the month starts. So it kind of comes up for discussion at that point. And as far as taking listener input, I, I read every submission that's submitted. I look at them. I, I see what everybody's saying. And there's just not enough time, man. Like, someday we'll get to all this stuff. But every once in a while, somebody drops a submission I've never heard of. And I've been looking at bad movies that are under 40% for almost three years now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still a bottomless pit of terrible movies that probably don't deserve the amount of time we spend on them but maybe they do you never know until you do it yeah so i'm looking forward to whatever you guys um come up with for ben affleck he has had the redemption story with a couple oscar wins but i mean dude started low and uh 
that's where we got to focus on the low points. Nothing but peaks and valleys for Ben Affleck. You know, he's hit the highest highs and the lowest lows multiple times in his love life, <laughs> in his career. <laughs> but the hey, man just keeps chugging along. He's unstoppable. So he might be a he might be ascending another peak right now. He was uh, he was spotted with uh, his old fling J Lo this past weekend i think why not man with the dunkin donuts in his hand i'm sure <laughs> hell yes she's still a fly girl that j girl <laughs> that is true absolutely is j girl is a fly girl now jeanette did you have another question did you have another follow-up if you can get yourself uh together <laughs> well since it was mentioned earlier that you snubbed us for the oscars um i wanted to know um what categories do you think should be removed or possibly added uh, to that? Removed you know, or added? Like, best director. Mm. Like, really? Like, come on. Enough <laughs> with you, Scorsese. Like, whatever. Come on, get out of here. It is out on all directors. That's a, yes, that's a take. Yes. All right. You've met one director. You've met them all. You get it. The, the fabrication, the story. You're looking mm-hmm. through a lens. Like, get over yourself. So true. I've always felt that comedy is significantly discounted and ignored at the Academy Awards. I don't know what good that would really do now because the comedy movie is struggling as a genre, but going back in history, there's so many comic performances that were completely ignored and not acknowledged. And even if somebody did manage to cross over and get nominated, they probably got squashed because nobody takes comedy seriously. So I think that's a thing. I did notice that they combined the sound categories this year. It used to always be the joke of sound editing and and what was the other one? Mixing? Sound mixing. And it means the opposite of what you think. Mixing is more editing and editing is more getting the sound. And that always confused everybody every year. So they just simplified that. But I mean, to be honest with you, like, I'm good with them the way they are for the most part. I just wish that movies felt more important at this point. Like movies have separated into huge, big budget Marvel stuff, which I'm a fan of. Like, don't get me wrong. I like, I like watching that stuff. Franchises, John Wick, Fast and the Furious, all that stuff. And then the super hidden movies there's so many of them, you have to do a lot of work to, to seek them out. I've been a bigger fan of television the last decade, and I think that most of the better stories are on television. So I just kind of wish there's more of a balance and that movies mattered a lot more to me again. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still sticking with cutting best director, so it is what it is. By all means, take it out. You know, Chloe Zhao, give your trophy back. That is a that Anthony is right. That's a take and a half, Jeanette. I've I've never never quite heard that Fuck one. Fuck the before, directors. But... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. They make the I movie in, happen. I live in LA. What are they gonna do to me? Seriously. What are they gonna do to me? I'm scared. Right here. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Anthony, what's uh, what's one of those hidden gem movies from the past like decade or so? My, the one that always comes to mind for me, the one I always recommend is Ex Machina. Uh, I, I absolutely love that film, and I, I recommend it to everyone. I just love that whole tech noir kind of feel to it. Um, it, it, does anything come to, to to mind right off the bat when you when you think of that? Well, it's so hard to gauge really how seeing a movie is right, um, especially if you get most of your validation for your opinion online. You can just find other nerds who have seen Ex Machina, and then you're all talking about it, and you get legitimately surprised when somebody doesn't know what it is. I mean that's a great one. It's really hard for me to to narrow. My mind is so poisoned with bad movies, you guys. <laughs> like it's so rare that I get to watch good movies anymore. You need to detox, man. Like you you need Tell to me. like <laughs> These guys want me to go on a train with them for 4 days and watch nothing but terrible movies back to back. Like that would that would break it, but I hope I hope you get a, a bonus for that. Uh, uh, Hazard a, pay, a hefty, a hefty paycheck. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like when somebody gets shipped off to war, uh, what do they call it? Combat pay or something? You should yes, absolutely. My, get... my family will be well taken care of if I get sent <laughs> on a train to watch bad movies for four days straight. I'm really trying to rack my brain to think. I mean, I guess a smaller movie would probably be Hunt for the Wilder People, which is Taika's okay movie taika waititi who did thor ragnarok and that's when everybody kind of found out what he is oh oh is that this is that the fall oh that's i mean that's an amazing movie that's like oh six i think uh and that's tarsum singh who did the cell that was his like first major hollywood movie for listeners at home, Schweitz just weirdly held up his phone instead of actually saying anything. Uh, he forgot that this is an audio medium. Uh, so The Fall is a good recommendation uh, from, from Schweitz. My, my beautiful. Okay. Sorry, Schweitz. I didn't mean to give you too much shit. That's a beautiful movie, The Fall. Um, Tarsum was like a commercial director, like really top of the game commercial director. And okay. he financed that movie out of his own pocket, flying the actors to these insane real locations on earth that he was scouting all over the place for commercials. He'd shoot it like in his off days. And it's this just unbelievably epic scope movie. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People with Taika is about a little New Zealand kid who gets adopted by an older family living on a farm near the bush in New Zealand. And it's just amazing. (laughs) Like, 
it's heavily referential to a lot of stuff, but it's got so much wit and humor and that's just what Taika does. And then of course he did what we do in the shadows after that, which then became the show, which is now probably more people have seen the show than the movie, but those two are just off the charts and he's instantly became one of my favorite directors ever with his work so far. Excellent. Those are, those are great recommendations. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to throw it to Ant in Brooklyn. Ant, go ahead. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. And uh, great name. Since uh, Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, you sort of, I, I feel like you were sort of on the edge of what my question is going to be, but so, because you talked about how the movies have sort of changed. What do you think of the things like releasing direct on HBO Max and some of the stuff that's going on that some of it was required given the pandemic, but it sort of seems now it's going to move forward as the norm of, of something going on streaming as much as it is hitting in the theaters. The landscape has definitely changed in that respect. Obviously, forcing all the movie theaters to close made that happen a lot sooner than I think they were anticipating. I'm sure that they're still not making as much money doing it that way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see certain movie studios do both and release in the theaters and a streaming or release in the theaters and then two weeks later drop on streaming or something like that me personally i'm all for it i've kind of like really dwindled in my movie theater attendance over the last five to ten years i used to be more into it but now i'm more about watching something older that i haven't seen that's free at home or not free but with the subscription and so, you know, with HBO Max dropping what? Godzilla versus Kong. Wonder Woman, uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, the horrendous Wonder Woman. Judas and the Black Messiah was fantastic. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. But I definitely am cool with that. And I'm interested, you know, anytime somebody's going to put something on streaming, I think that's a plus for me. All right. Thank you. So I have one more question, which is, and you may not, Given what you just said previously, you may not have an answer, but I was wondering, what's your movie that you're flipping through the channels on TV and you just can't not, like, what you see it, it doesn't matter where it is, you're like, I got to watch the rest of this, whether it's 10 minutes or two hours. Number whether one it's a good movie or a bad movie, I have really to be Step Brothers. If Step Brothers is on at any point, I will jump in because there's no, there's no deficit. And that's a movie that I watched 20 30 times it was permanently in the dvd player one year when i lived with two of my friends in college and it, we'd wake up and it'd be a slow morning we'd be munching on some breakfast and be like should we just play Step Brothers again oh all right and throw it on or you'd come down and it'd already be on and that's exactly what we're talking about is like all right yeah i'll hang around i'll watch this cool thank you what would yours be in for me, currently, it's The Martian. I just love Matt Damon making food via his Matt own feces. That's Damon. just like... <laughs> and the transformation from the beginning of the movie when he's like normal and robust to the end where he's like emaciated. You can see like his ribs sticking out on the side. I don't know. I just really think it's a great performance because it's basically him for like 90% of the movie. Yeah, so. Castaway in Space. He yeah. did it. So that, That's mine currently. Awesome. All right. Good question, Ant. Up next, I'm going to throw it to our foreign correspondent up north, Mr. Schweitz. Go ahead, Schweitz. How you doing? 
I just wanted to know uh, what is your favorite movie trope and what is your least favorite movie trope? Tropes. All right. So things that happen repeatedly that you don't get tired of. I'm a sucker for a good montage. I think a good montage can be well executed, can move something along. They have definitely wavered on becoming overused and poorly executed by just about everybody, but a good montage really brings the point home. And then something that happens that I don't like, I mean, it, and at this point during Cinephobe, it's exposition. Good Lord. I'm so exhausted by exposition, but more of like a specific thing. The, the come see me in my office. Like those scenes, like the guy just getting fired up and telling somebody to come to his office. Uh, I get it. Let's just go to the office scene right away. Let's cut that out. <laughs> like, like 22 jump street did with, uh, with ice cube, the cube. He just wants to see him in his office, man. Just come to his office. I mean, 21 jump street is brilliant though. They did, they did a fantastic job, but that's, that's where it's okay. I think is when it's in a comedy, when it's the other guys, and you know they're just constantly getting because they're acknowledging how overplayed and how overused it is yeah i think you can usually just go ahead and cut straight to the uh turning your badge and gun in on the on the desk you know you don't need the the setup to that you don't need him uh you you don't need to see the blinds close or any uh any of that stuff suspended two weeks without pay but how am i gonna feed my kids you're you're uh you're yeah you can you can play every uh every role in those scenes you've seen it enough times it's hard to it's hard to keep it fresh when it's stuff like that man it's difficult for sure for sure all right up next i'm going to throw it to uh the mayor of cartersville georgia one mr mayor matt santini go ahead matt thank you will and thank you anthony again for your time tonight i want to know what your favorite off the radar movie is i'll, I'll give you mine just so you can get a moment think about it 1996 movie called freeway that uh, is probably a little too good to be reviewed by uh, by your group but uh starring reese witherspoon and Kiefer sutherland and also has some brooke shields in it doubt you've seen it but well worth uh seeing i just and again what off the off the beaten path movie is your favorite freeway has popped up in my research let me just say that i haven't had the chance to watch it yet but i have come across that page Oh man, off the radar. See, but when you say off the radar, that makes me think that whatever I think of is too on the radar. That's the issue. So I'm trying to go deep into the the channels there. Man, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I've been trying to log all the movies that I watch on Letterboxd. That just like to to keep myself sane, because otherwise you do forget. What's your letterbox handle so people can follow you on there? I believe it is Corn Puzzle. Yep. Okay. Corn Puzzle. That's me. But off the radar. Hmm. That's so tough, man. Because my I feel like everything's on. I feel like I try to mostly stay on the radar. Is the weird thing. Well, we'll we'll just leave it at that. 
I mean, Obvious Child is Obvious Child a movie that people are like aware of? Obvious Child. I've never heard of it. So it's Jenny Slate, 2014, and she's a stand-up comedian who has an affair with the fake Jim from The Office, who is also on Girls and just basically plays fake Jim in, in all of his parts, but he's he's good in that. And it's directed by Jillian Robespierre, and it's just like a little indie New York movie. She's phenomenal in it, like... She's such a charismatic personality. Like you're so attracted to her in this role, just like so lovable. Uh, and that's just a little indie movie that I, that I really liked. And so I, I would say obvious child. It's not so obvious. It's off the radar, but it's a good movie. Great answer. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mayor Matt. Uh, up next, we're going to throw it to Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so, so is there a, a certain genre that you've noticed that tends to be, that you think is better than what the, the bad rankings are? Like, are comedies normally better than what, they, what they're rated or dramas, kind of a, any kind of a category? Well, that's the thing you'll see when you look at, like, the list of the movies we've done is that definitely comedy is the easiest to just say, they didn't like it and they're wrong. Like, I laughed, you know? And that's mostly because critics get real uppity and decide they don't like gross out humor, decide something isn't for them. And they may or may not be accurate. You really don't know. So that's definitely the easiest to underrate. And that's the easiest to watch for this show and just be like, yeah, file it. Like I laughed. It was, it wasn't as bad as they thought, but there aren't many straight up dramas like that's not something that we come across because bad dramas I think are more mediocre than anything. Like they're not spectacularly bad, but they just exist in the, in the weird phantom zone. That's 40 to 70% on rotten tomatoes. The stuff that goes real bad that critics don't like is bad action, sci-fi fantasy, Stuff like that where the CGI budget isn't all the way there. There's some very, very obvious writing flaws, plot holes, lack of character development, lack of acting talent. Because <laughs> you got somebody that's just supposed to be jacked and not supposed to be talking that much. So that's really what we've ended up doing the most. But comedies are the easiest to say, you know what, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, I just saw Dirty Work was rated uh, 17%, so I fully agree. Dirty Work. <laughs> the worst thing you can be as a movie is forgettable. So, like, the existing in that that middle ground, if if you're really bad, it's memorable. And if you're really good, it's memorable. But that that weird, like you said, the, the phantom zone of uh, just, you know, it's almost like staring at a beige wall for an hour and a half. You don't, don't remember any of the details. That's the most disappointing place to find a movie that you're looking at because you look you hear about a movie or you think about a movie and you say oh that could be fun how does it rate on rotten tomatoes this arbitrary bullshit aggregator of statistics that spits out a percentage that means absolutely nothing but we use it as the coda of our podcast it is the <laughs> we're so strict and how we adhere to what rotten tomatoes thinks of a movie 
it's so so disappointing to find a movie that's like 55 percent. like vampire's kiss is the number one movie that it just pisses me off that we can't do it because it's it's in the it's in the phantom zone but that is that is a pure uncut cinephobe movie like that would be an all-time episode and we can't do it uh maybe you'll have to make an exception uh one week or is this a hard this is a, a steadfast rule this is a steadfast rule, man. Like, okay, okay. As you guys, I'm sure, know, Zach and Amin committed podultery, and they left me out of it for some reason and went and reviewed a movie that doesn't qualify for Mike wow. Ryan's Mystery Crate, which wow. is blasphemous. They didn't, you know, they didn't give me a heads up. They didn't tell me that they were going to do it. They're like, we just did this, and uh, Zach called it a loophole fiasco, which is a whole <laughs> other problem that I'm not going to get into right now. But that was a that's a terrible joke. I mean. We did April Fools. We did The Departed with Adnan. Broke the rule there. They did Mortal Kombat. Broke the rule there. That's it. Wow. That okay. All. So I was going to ask uh, which of your co-hosts is your favorite, Zach or Amin? Can I pick neither? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Uh, I Mayor Matt, I, I think abstain from that, think, from that vote. I think you had something. Well, I was just going to say, why don't you go ahead and review whatever movie you want and then release it without either one of them in it? Oh, there you go. Well, see, now you're I just opening up a can of worms. Solved. Now I'm just now I'm just reviewing movies I like. Yeah, now he gone, gone renegade. I'm not him. in podcast prison where I have to watch terrible movie after terrible movie endlessly for years, like Sisyphus. <laughs> Let's start with a vampire's kiss. I mean... It's a banger. It's an amazing movie. I, I recommend anybody out there go watch Vampire's Kiss. That is the most cage, the most cage cage I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing. Peak, peak Nicholas. And he's still young enough that he hasn't had like his eyebrows and his teeth totally fixed. Like he's still, still all natural. Young Coppola, Nicholas Coppola. Man, those were the days. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, we are going to throw it back out to Lou Rafter. He's got a little something for you. Go ahead, Lou. Well, this is great. All this Nick Cage talks is going to make sense. And, and is that from the, the your Cinephobe logo? Is that is that, that Nicholas Cage? Is that from Vampire's Kiss, the image from that That's movie? That's a good question. I don't think I'm looking so. At, I'm looking it up. I see something that looks like that. Well, I may be wrong. But anyway, so uh, we have a gift for you. Um, I feel like it's face off, Lou, but I'm not Is sure. It face off? Okay, that might be right. So uh, we got a special gift for you. It's gonna. We got a nice little hat for you. It says cinephobe, wow. and it says wow. So um, awesome, I'll man! Get, I'll get. I'll get with you later, and we'll figure out address. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you for coming on. It was such a pleasure, and uh, we really enjoyed it. Cool, man. Appreciate you guys. Um, do you guys want to tell me which which uh, cinephobe episode is your favorite? Yeah, we'll go around the horn. Jeanette, go ahead. Which one was the best directed, Jeanette? Oof. <laughs> so, so many, like I said earlier, once you've seen the work of one director, you've pretty much seen them all. So it's like, like I really can't choose one to eight to call out, even though I did with Scorsese earlier and I have trouble saying his name. So just, you know, they're all just 50-50 right now. But my favorite would be the first one that I listened to, which was Twins, because I have 
memories of that movie being advertised on the local station as a pure comedy and just being super silly. And then you forget about when they break into the lab and how the twins were created. And you're like, oh, they admitted this when they did those funny little songs for the movie. Wow. 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 Yeah. All right. And which one is your favorite? So I'm going to go, I was going to actually pick twins as one of my favorites, but I'm going to go a different direction and go with Soul Man. A movie that just (laughs) is just like, yeah, if you've never seen it, you have to see it. It's just, it's one of those movies that Mm. like, so not appropriate for the times we're in, but such a. It wasn't appropriate then, much less the times now. you know, it, it's so, so that for me is the other one is, is so man. I just think it's all like right. Chef's kids. Chiz, what about you? I was going to say, um, actually twins as well. That was a movie I haven't seen in like 20 years. And it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, at least it was back in the day. And then I rewatched it after listening to your podcast and it kind of changed how I thought about the movie. Cause I was pretty young back then and you don't get a lot of the innuendo and all that. Oh, yes. One of the biggest things about Cinephobe is the nostalgia factor and what you think the movie that you saw 20 plus years ago actually is. And then when you watch it with a fine tooth and comb and pick out every single off touch thing that happens in it. Yeah, it's it's a it's an eye opening experience. All right. uh, Schweitz, what about you? I really appreciated um, Battlefield Earth. Just, I think everyone knows that that's uh, a train wreck of a movie. It just, it's just very enjoyable to to hear everyone's take on that. Do you want lunch? I do actually. I could use some lunch. <laughs> Mayor Matt. Yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna do two because I can never do just one. The the two that I, I just can't believe that they qualified to be bad enough to be on the podcast was Along Came Polly and Horrible Bosses 2. Because I'm telling you, Horrible Bosses and Horrible Bosses 2 are absolutely phenomenal movies. And again, it's kind of insulting that they were scored to the point where they could be on your podcast. Yeah, Horrible Bosses 2 is definitely, definitely Zach and Amin's favorite movie that we've done by far if you go back and listen to that pod i'd say three words because it's just them (laughs) giggling and reciting every line and giggling some more there's not that many clips in it they got through it pretty fast there's no diversions it was just all oh my god this joke is right after this joke is right after this joke and i mean they're not wrong it's a great movie well, and actually the best part of that movie, and there's a lot of great stuff in it, but at the end where they're doing the outtakes at the end, when uh, he says, uh, I want to bend you over the barrel and, and show you all 50 states. He goes, that's, Jason Bateman says, well, that's, that's not a saying. He goes, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's it's from a movie. He goes, no, it's not. He goes, and he looks at the camera, he goes, it is now. It is now. <laughs> Lou, what about you? What's your favorite episode? Uh, well, it was Swordfish, and that was the first one I listened to. Uh, not one that really got me hooked, but the last episode that you did with Valerie and Disclosure was just so good. And just listening to her talk about all the movies her and her brother watched without parent supervision was just just unbelievably shocking. I was like, wow. Yeah, Valerie 
definitely has more cinephobe experience than I would have thought. It seems like she's racked up quite yeah. a few because she said that right after or that she'd seen Swordfish as well. That was the other one she mentioned was like. Yeah, when she was like 12. <laughs> just nothing but intense blowjob movies for Valerie as a, as a youth. <laughs> Jesus. My dad actually, do you remember the uh, Heineken commercial that John Travolta did when Swordfish came out? Does anybody remember that? He, uh, they, they incorporated Heineken into the brand. They actually shot that here locally. My dad shot that commercial with him, and he's got a Polaroid with John Travolta with that weird hair and that that soul patch. Uh, Whatever a, that soul patch is, yeah. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. All right, uh, Steve, go ahead. What's your favorite? Yeah, I'm going to have to go Mortal Kombat on Mystery Crate with uh, me and Zach Harper. <laughs> wow. All right, well, nice knowing you guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Pick the one episode that I did not have anything to do with. That's real nice. Jeff, what about you? Um, I'm going to say uh, my favorite episode is the one you did on Blue Streak. Future callback. Well done, sir. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm going to say my favorite is uh, is the Movie 43 episode. That is the... I don't even know what you call that. That's not even a movie of any kind. It is it is quite possibly the biggest train wreck of a of a of a movie I've ever seen. So um yeah. That that's a it's nightmarish. That's not a movie. It's I not I don't know what that is, but it's not it's not it, a movie. It's a bunch of people like having to fulfill contractual obligations or something to appear on film in front of a camera at one point or the other. And it's we still don't know what the other original version is. <laughs> like, there's a whole nother shell of a plot in that with like Dennis Quaid. I somebody somebody DM me and told me that they watched it. I'm like, okay, was it like was it at all worth it? And they're like, no, <laughs> yeah, of course not. How how there is no way in hell like that. I, I can't imagine somebody is clamoring for that other version of the movie, right? Uh, no, no way in hell. Well, uh, well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us this evening, man. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we've talked a, a bit about your handle uh, being corn puzzle. And I think that's on all social media. Is that correct? Yep. Corn puzzle cross platform, including letterbox, I guess. So if you want to see what good movies I actually allow myself to watch every once in a while, those are on there. <laughs> and yeah, follow Count the Dings, subscribe to Cinephobe, listen, rate, review, five stars from the production and the direction. Absolutely. Right, Jeanette? Yeah. Incredible direction on that podcast. And, and thanks so much for having me, you guys. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. On the count of three, can I get a thank you, Anthony? One, two, three. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. So harmonious, guys. Nice job. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lower After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lower After Hours or Instagram at Lower After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.